There are many ways people listen to vision, including on smart speakers. Just tell your smart speakers to play Vision Christian Radio. Alexa, play Vision Christian Radio. Vision. Yep, it really is that easy. You can also say, play V180 Radio for our music channel. It's just another way that Vision is helping you look to God daily. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, with such dramatic images on the news this week, you might be led to believe that things are chaotic in the Middle East and throughout areas of North Africa too. Let's get a Middle East update. Dr. Camille Majdali is joining us. He's in the UK at the present time, but reflecting on what's been happening in the Middle East. And Camille, welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Good to be with you. And, of course, uh, people will be able to hear uh, you and I, Camille, a little later on uh, when we're featuring in the Faith and the Future program. But great to be able to talk to you and get some perspectives because you're right there at this time, there in the UK. Uh, You're monitoring along what's been going on in the Middle East, Camille. Uh, Tell me what sort of strife you think the Middle East is generally in. Okay, thanks for that. I have actually only been in the UK for the last three days. And prior to that, I had been uh, in the Middle East itself leading a tour. So it's, it's very, very fresh. But a, a few points, Neil. The region itself, and when I talk about the region, I'm talking about North Africa and, of course, the Asiatic part of the Arab world. That's, you know, from, from say, Jordan all the way to Iraq, which is <laughs> two countries, and, 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 of course, the Saudi Arabian Peninsula and so on. The region, those, those areas I call the Arab world, actually, probably are in the greatest amount of instability that we've seen in memory, living memory, because, uh, for example, we've got chaos in Libya and has been since the fall of Gaddafi in 2011. We have more stability in Egypt, but that's because a military man, General el-Sisi, uh, took power and He's ruling with a rod of iron to calm down all the uncertainty that's there. Then, of course, Yemen is absolutely fraying at the seams. Its capital, Sana'a, has been taken over by Shia Houthi rebels backed by Iran. So the how should I, internationally recognized government is not even in power in Yemen. But to top off all their civil discord and tribal rivalry is the fact that apparently they're running out of water. I mean, seriously running out of water in a way that we in Australia have not faced. We may have had drought and diminishing reservoirs, but not like literally running out of water as they are facing in the Yemen. And then, of course, Syria has been in a chaotic civil war for four years, and Iraq is under partial occupation by the Islamic State. So we've never seen anything like this, but I might hasten to add that places like Jordan, and Israel continue to be very stable, relatively speaking. In fact, just stable. In fact, people traveling to those countries recently noticed it was as calm as anything. So there are these islands of stability in the midst of all the instability. Oh, I didn't even mention Sinai. The place where the law was given is becoming increasingly lawless because of 
terrorist groups operating there. Now, Camille, if you're reflecting on why this state of chaos is overtaking so many of these Middle Eastern nations, is it all because of this uprising of ISIS? Uh, I wouldn't say. I think in some ways the rise of ISIS or the Islamic State is uh, the symptom or, shall we say, it's the byproduct of the greater instability happening in the region. It's a really difficult one, Neil, what to say, because when they had repressive, brutal police states, I mean, this is anathema to freedom-loving Westerners. The, the problem is that, of course, when you had those kind of regimes, at least it was stable. People could get their foodstuffs easily. They could go to work. They had some religious freedom, only in the sense of keep to your, keep to your religious box and and keep your mouth shut and you'll be fine. But, you know, all the other stuff wasn't so good. With the removal of some of those regimes, either by the American-led coalition against Saddam in 2003, or by the Arab Spring that started December 2010, what it's done is it's brought transition. Transition brings instability. But if you can deftly manage it to a better kind of government, like a democratic one, now that's fine. Tunisia seems to be the only country making that transition that's been part of the Arab Spring, but the others have not. Either they don't have democracy or they don't have stability or both. So with the significant instability, and you even mentioned uh, Yemen and their difficulties with water, uh, with things appearing to fall apart at the seams, uh, what are your predictions for what might be happening in the coming times there uh, within many of those Middle Eastern countries? All right. Well, first of all, the Middle Eastern countries, unlike the Far East, are greatly influenced by the West, Europe, and especially the United States. The United States is the, well, let's say the Middle East is America's uh, sphere of influence. And what will happen is if we don't see some leadership of the highest order, leadership not to lord it over the people of the Middle East, but to help steer them into a better way and to back it up, I'm afraid to say, with some military power if necessary, then if it fall, it'll fall apart not the whole place, but you'll have so much instability, and this becomes a breeding ground for terrorism. That's the, the issue. Terrorism and uh, armed takeover has happened in Syria. It's happened in Iraq, in Syria because of chaos, in Iraq because of disunity. If you multiply that in other places, like in Libya, which is in very dire straits, it's barely held together by a Band-Aid, then, of course, you get the instability there, you get the terrorism there, it can spread. So it's going to take two things. It'll take good leadership, strong leadership, in other words. And the second thing, of course, from a Christian perspective, is that it takes serious intercession. Let's never underestimate, Neil, the power of Christian intercession. There's case study after case study where praying, fervent, effectual Christians made a massive difference in the outcome of certain events, both the past and in the recent present. 
I think it's often the case, Camille, that when we talk about these sorts of issues, uh, people listening into our conversation are moved to prayer. And uh, so we'll trust that uh, listeners will continue to keep the Middle East situation in their prayers. Dr. Camille Magdaly, our guest from Teach All Nations, he's in the UK and there just out of the Middle East. Uh, we'll talk some more in just a short while. We're back talking with Dr. Camille Majdali from Teach All Nations, and he's just out of the Middle East, now in a place in the United Kingdom. We've been able to talk to him today. Camille, we've been talking about the way the Middle East is in a desperate situation at this present time, and you described it as serious strife. Some of the countries there in the Middle East and North Africa are in a state of chaos, and things don't look to be getting any better. Tell me about your thoughts on the global challenges that are being faced by those Middle Eastern nations. And I guess you're talking about debt problems with the US and other issues. Right. Well, apparently one high up American official recently was quoted to a saying, the world order as we know it is fraying at the seams. This is a rather remarkable statement, especially coming from the US, which continues to be, for now, the lone global superpower. Part of the privilege and part of the responsibility of being a superpower is that you do your best to use your influence to bring stability and uh, peace, especially in your areas of special interest. Or uh, if you don't do that, then you're going to probably lose your power and be kicked out of the driver's seat. Yes, probably there's some truth to what this official is saying, that the world order is fraying at the seams. It's not all bad news, and it's not, how should we say, we haven't just crossed any line at this point. But the unprecedented, shall we say, upheaval happening across our world, especially in parts of the world that have known peace and stability for like 70 years, I'm talking about Europe and the United States and so on, the West, as we call it. What we're seeing, of course, is not the instability of the Middle East, but what we are seeing is economic challenges. Now, Neil, I will hasten to add that there are some law of economics and there's some biblical principles of economics. When you adhere to biblical principles of economics, then you can only prosper. You can't go backward. If you violate those principles for either idealistic reasons that are not backed up scripturally or because of corruption and just mismanagement, then, of course, it filters down and affects everyone. In a democratic society, when you have these problems, the fact is we all share the privileges, but we all share the responsibility. In other words, say in Australia, if we're facing economic challenge, we can't completely blame the government for the simple reason that we voted them in or and or they are fulfilling our expectations economically that, of course, have gone awry. So back to the point here, with Europe, they're now negotiating with Greece a debt repayment issue. Greece, it's been said, just recently acquired a new government, Syriza government, and uh, their telegenic new prime minister, 40-year-old Alexis Tsipras, He's promising the Greek people a better deal. The fact is, you know, he's going to negotiate Greece's massive debt to Europe on terms that are 
more acceptable to the Greeks. That all sounds good on a campaign trail. The problem is that uh, the Bible says that uh, the borrower is servant to the lender, and Greece has been the borrower. So there's not a whole lot they can do to uh, dictate the terms. And no, they're not too big enough to fail, as uh, to use about some banks. The other thing is that the party in Greece is apparently the most left-wing party in Europe today, and possibly the most left-wing party in modern European history, apart from, you know, say, outright communists. They're not necessarily communists, but they've got Trotskyites and Leninites and all these things in the Syriza party of Greece. But the thing is, that party got into power because they said, we've been humiliated by austerity measures, and we are against austerity. I mean, I'm sure we're all against austerity, except for the fact that when you have no money in the till, there's not a whole lot you can do. Now, multiply Greece's situation across Europe or across the world. There's a problem. What I'm getting at is, yes, there's debt problems galore, but I believe ultimately the source of those debt problems has been violation of biblical principles and also, shall we call it, spiritual backsliding. Have we stayed true in the West to the principles that made us great, which include, of course, Judeo-Christianity? I think we'd be seeing a very different outcome. But because we haven't, we haven't kept those principles, we're facing all kinds of serious things. And economics is just only part of it. There's also reinvention of key definitions of family, of morality, and sexuality, everything. So these are challenges complicating and making more difficult having the kind of lifestyle we've enjoyed in the past. So, Camille, with the potential for economic earthquakes and for moral uh, earthquakes, if you can use that terminology to talk about those things, uh, there are some significant things that could go wrong. What is your advice? What are your thoughts for Australians? And we did already mention prayer for those issues that are going on in the Middle East. But uh, for Aussies, uh, putting their hope in what? Uh, what's the best way for Aussies to respond? Uh, and where do we put our hope in this time? Well, traditionally, Aussies, like everybody else, would put their hope in human sources, whether it's in their own resources that they've saved up for the rainy day, or oftentimes I see this in Australia. After all, I, I'm based in Melbourne and I've been hearing this for years, but people constantly look to the government the government to solve all our problems, to provide us with our pensions and our housing and, and everything like that. I'm afraid that uh, there's only so much a government can do. Governments are not omnipotent. So what I would advise is very simple. If ever there's a time to invest in your spiritual life, now is the time. Because only God can give you what you need in the spiritual realm, of course, but also in the physical, material, emotional, and mental needs. Everything you ever could possibly want, God will give it to you. Isn't that what it says in the 23rd Psalm? First verse of the most popular piece of prose in the English language, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Neil, people need to get serious about the Lord, about his kingdom, knowing that whenever I am afraid, the psalmist says, I will trust in thee. You are the rock, the high tower. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. 
that is higher than I. Let's not wait until the emergency hits before we start getting serious about spirituality and biblical truth. No, now is the time. Well, the sorts of things we've been talking about, Camille, show that there is potential for real emergencies in many nations around the world. And we're talking not only the Middle East, but also Western nations too. And uh, good advice, putting hope in Christ, investing in our own spirituality uh, to understand and to be prepared for things that may be upon us in the coming times. Uh, Camille, I'll point people to your website Teach All Nations, the name of your ministry, tan, T-A-N, dot org, dot A-U. And you can get a hold of uh, blogs and articles and uh, keep up to date with what Camille is talking about and with his teaching and uh, with the sorts of trends that he likes to talk about. Camille, just a pleasure talking. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's been a pleasure for me too. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.